Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 321. Hopefully you guys have had an amazing Thursday. I I know I certainly did. It has been a great day. We have a great gentleman here with us tonight. You've seen him around the chats as of late, and tonight we get to meet him firsthand. Uh, Red Pill 710, how you doing tonight? Can you tell us uh, how you're doing and where we can find you? Yeah, thank you um, for having me. Uh, yeah, Red Pill 710 on Instagram. A little bit trickier to find on YouTube, probably because there's a million and a half Red Pills, but just plain old Red Pill here on YouTube. And uh, as far as that goes, I haven't really been uploading or uploaded at all to the, my YouTube channel in a very long time, just because uh, I kind of got in the mindset of things that if there wasn't anything that I was showing, uh, excited about showing, then I thought maybe, you know, on the other end, there might not be that many excited about anything that might be just the same old, same old, or too mundane or boring or not interesting enough. And, uh, just other life struggles and stuff like that. But uh, on uh, Instagram side of things, uh, a little bit more active. I got a dog a little bit more than a year ago. And uh, I always post pictures of anything that I get that I'm dabbing on because that is a little bit more exciting now on that end. Um, kind of a little bit of a, I wouldn't say concentrate snob. When it, turn, it actually turns out to be that I'm probably more of a flower snob than concentrates. That just has to do with whatever my, uh, however, my body works when I inhale smoke or concentrates, even to like a lesser grade quality concentrate goes down more smooth and uh, seems to have a less harsh reaction than even if there's one thing wrong about flour, you know, it doesn't burn right or it has a smell or a funny taste to it, little any bit of harshness, like hotness to the way it burns and stuff like that. For whatever reason, I, uh, uh, don't really dig that. Um, you will see a little bit more uh, cannabis posting as times go by. Uh, when I'm, I'm back in Wisconsin. I, I'm born in Wisconsin. And uh, for the last past six years before the pandemic, I was out in Colorado. Um, uh, didn't, uh, partially why uh, I would get good concentrates is because just the market and that was uh, made it readily available. So uh, when it came down to producing medicine, as in growing, uh, I kind of didn't have to per se, or didn't have the need to. Um, that's more of where uh, the breeding came in uh, to play. Uh, I, I bought a tent uh, probably in the uh, winter of 2015, either uh, right after Christmas or right after New Year's. Um, got, got clones from my buddy, uh, uh, started a bunch of seeds, started, uh, Pandora's box. I started Hercule, uh, started a, um, Blue Power from Sin City Seeds and, uh, pretty much went through it. And, uh, at, at this time, I, I don't, I don't even know if I had an Instagram at this time or definitely wasn't posting, definitely didn't have a, uh, wasn't posting to the YouTube channel yet. So that pretty much didn't get documented. 
And then uh, after that, uh, the next time I grew was mainly because I, uh, I used to have a show with another person here on YouTube named Surrounded by Keith. He had uh, one main uh, uh, type of show on his channel that was getting to know cannabis YouTubers, a little bit like this show, um, partially more on the uh, weed tube side as, as far as people that would just primarily smoke, you know, smoke videos, dab videos, slab dabs, one gram dabs, just stupid kind of crazy shit like that. That's a lot of people who was on there. And then he would also interview growers too, people from more of the grow tube side of things. Uh, but we all, we did a show together, uh, getting to know cannabis. And for the first about 30 episodes, all we did was read and discuss uh, Marijuana Botany by Robert Clark. And it, it came like, I don't know, midway through that to where, you know, you if you don't have a huge uh, resume or Instagram thing where people can go to and kind of see what you're doing, uh, people kind of get skeptical of the information that you're putting forward and they might think, uh, what are you talking about growing so much for if you don't even grow or where are your plants and this kind of thing. So at that time, uh, I, I was really big into what I was seeing with CMH. So then I, I bought a CMH, uh, CMH light and then started documenting what, what grow videos I have on my channel right now. That, that and uh, way back on Instagram, that same grow was documented. I got uh, seeds from another buddy that was Frost Hammer. It was a uh, uh, ocean, grown, uh, yeah, ocean grown seeds, uh, Vader's company. It was something from their lineup crossed to a nine pound hammer. My buddy gave me those. He gave a few other homies those. And uh, I was really the only one that did any good with them. Everyone else that cracked them said that they got more males than females and on my end, I had uh, three out of four females. And uh, I just thought there was so, so many people that love nine pound hammer that the best thing to do with that one male is to just let it pollinate the garden. And really, like I said, I wasn't growing for the intention of uh, waiting for my next harvest so I could continue having medicine. I was doing it mainly to document it and just have something there so people could see and it's mainly so it's like I'm not bullshitting or whatever making stuff up or I don't making it seem like I'm telling people how to grow and then I don't grow myself or don't know what I'm talking about but all I was doing is reading marijuana botany I mean we can get into that later on in the story but I'm pretty sure 90% of the people or probably 95% of the people listening already know who that is and probably uh, understand how uh, important he is, and uh, Robert Connell Clark, marijuana botany, and uh, a few other things he does. I think it was uh, uh, taxonomy and ethnobotany of cannabis. That was more recent, the recent uh, book that he wrote. But I, I mean, it's just where it started for me. I mean, I, uh, so uh, from that point on, uh, more, more things happened where I just kind of got uh, um, uh, I wouldn't say uh, I wouldn't say less passionate, but I would say uh, less motivated. Um, I had other seed runs that I did. I did uh, space. I did space dog from TGA. 
I did uh, had some clones. I had Clementine for a while. Um, but uh, I, I just, it, for me, it, it kind of, I guess uh, what I'll go into next is what put me in that mindset to kind of um, be less productive. Uh, like I said, I was, um, I was in Wisconsin. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm back in Wisconsin now. Um, uh, probably around July of 2009, um, I got back uh, from a family uh, wedding uh, in Washington. I wanted to smoke there. I had someone try to hook me up, but I don't know. It kind of just weirded out the family members and I couldn't get away from them to do it. Uh, I came back there and I had basically a, a clean, uh, you know, a, a, a involuntary tolerance break, you call it, going out uh, to Washington. And coming back and the first morning that I woke up, uh, I have a cousin that travels uh, back and forth from here in Wisconsin and California. He's out in California now. He is uh, nine years older than me and like pretty much for as long as I have been smoking weed at the same pace he has been. He's a little bit more ahead of me being a little bit older, but we definitely uh, love weed to the same amount. So he hits me up and tells me that he's got a strain vortex. And most of the time he wouldn't ever go out of his way to tell me he's got a certain strain because he knows that I'm going to hit him up anyways, asking for weed. And I, you know, you'll just tell me what it is when I go to pick it up. But he's telling me about it and so it kind of leads me to believe that it's going to be something special. And I, I go over, I end up getting it, bring it back. And uh, I had no, no idea about uh, Subcool at this moment. The only weed that I've grown at this time, like I said, it was 2009. I've only ever grown weed in my backyard uh, one or two times previous to this. And there's a story to get go along with that. Uh, how my dad got, uh, how my dad was cool with me doing that. But uh, I'm I'm with one of my homies and we go to my garage where we used to smoke, and uh, he wants to check out the weed, and he, he like he's like, kind of like, oh, you're excited about this weed. It's not going to be anything. And he kind of grabs the bag and he opens it. And he's like, it smells like baby poop. And like I said, I I don't know. I didn't didn't know anything about Subcool, but when I ended up figuring out more about the strain and how to track it down and how I wanted to buy seeds and grow it because it kind of blew my mind and I'll express that in a moment. But I first wound up on Attitude Seed Bank. Uh, that's how I found uh, how to, where to buy uh, TGA seeds at this time. This was back in the day when they had the original seed packs with the planes and the seeds dropping. And uh, I found Vortex and I read the description and for a taste and smell here, he writes uh, mango, snapple and baby poop. That's in the description. And I was like, damn. So I, I know a lot of people like to just write names on bags and try to pass it off as something that it's not, but that kind of be like, oh, well, that, that is a good connect because that's exactly what my buddy said it smelled like. And, uh, the, the effect is what hit me. That's how I fell in love with it. Because for me, it, it's the strain that everyone goes back to when they talk about uh, 
their first experiences with weed and what which weed that was the best ever and maybe it's a uh, um, intangible right now it's like one of those uh, things you can't get back to and everyone would wish if you could uh, uh, I, I took one hit of it and I had like a little uh, about this same style uh, same size uh, mini bong is this is a dab rig it was probably no taller than this and I had a little tiny bowl that we would do uh, snaps out of, you know, just one single pack in the in the uh, bong, in the bowl, and then hit it and uh, do as big of a uh, I, uh, hit off of it as you can, and most of it goes down in the bong. Anyways, that's how that, that's particular what uh, device we used for this, and I uh, went first, and I had two of my other buddies with me. And I hit it and it, it affected me in a way where I saw the face on my friend change. And then he was like, whoa, if it's hitting, if it's hitting my buddy so hard, I can't wait to see what it does to me because uh, uh, I got a pit stop for a little, I should have started off with this. Uh, the number one thing that I struggle with is uh, I'm blind in my right eye. I was born with a detached retina that they couldn't fix. In my left eye, I have glaucoma. Okay, so we'll get into glaucoma and the relation to weed and you can make the connections there, but that's probably why it was acceptable for me to be doing this at, at a young age. We'll go to prehistory before that too. So my buddy's so excited to hit this based on my reaction to it because we smoke weed together all the time. We get good and bad weed, more or less with good weed, have the same reaction to it. This weed was different, it, you know, it changed my life. It, it made me immediately think and look at the bag and think that once this weed's gone, I'm never gonna see it again. Uh, like I said, whoever, whoever my cousin had to connect to that was getting that, uh, it, it lasted for a while. It lasted from, like I said, in July, probably into uh, the very beginning of September. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. I was just scared to lose it uh, with the one, one quarter ounce that I had then. Um, so my buddy smokes it. He gets all giggly. He passes it to my buddy that uh, smelled it and said it passed. Uh, it smelled like uh, baby poop. He hits it. We all start giggling. We're all basically tripping and uh, slapping each other in the knee, poking at each other, laughing at each other, making fun of each other. We're all getting red in the face. And just with one hit of this weed, we all kind of were astonished. Uh, so I'll sidetrack again to where I, I'll connect this to my first um, experience with weed. Pretty sure uh, if you, uh, any of us have had parents that smoke at some point in time, maybe five, six, seven, eight years old, you catch on to something that your parents are smoking something else other than a cigarette. In my case, it was uh, the smell of it and uh, where my mom stashed it. And there was like a little center council container or a pop-out uh, cup holder or maybe the tray or the, the top or what holds the cup holder in popped out. And it was like a little cavity and store a bag in there and put the cup holder back on. I'm like, mom, what's that? And she's, you know, she, in my mind, I don't know if this is correct to my memory now, but in my mind, I thought she said, it's, it's weed. 
don't pay attention or something like that. Uh, uh, and then uh, later on, uh, there was a, a family get together. I can't remember which one, uh, time of the year, maybe it was Halloween. Um, Cause I don't remember it being cold. Uh, I catch on to a family circle being formed, uh, a smoke circle being formed in my aunt's old house, what would be her tanning bedroom, a room that was, you know, a fucking commonly shared family tanning bedroom that was like ocean themed and Florida themed. Uh, they're all in there and they close the door so they so I can't get in. And I'm like sniffing the crack of the door because it's the same smell that I smelled with the bag of weed that my mom threw in the cup holder. And I can hear them talking. And then they're like, hey, let's let him, let's let him smoke. And then they're like, no, he's too young. And then we're like, "It's but he's got glaucoma. It's good for him. And they're like, no, he's, he's still too young. And uh, there's other interactions where my mom would have people over. And you know, I'm nine years old. Uh, and I would have, a, I have a five year old, uh, five year younger than me sister. Uh, and it was past the kind of point where my mom was kind of like, cool, like said, let me know things and not hide things from me, but not so much with my sister, you know, she was still younger and, uh, yeah, you know, not conscious of all that kind of shit. And there used to be times where, uh, I would sneak out, uh, into the living room when my mom would have company over and they'd either be playing cards in the living room or downstairs uh, playing pinball. And once in a while, you know, they wouldn't be paying attention. And uh, I'd, I'd see, I'd find like a pipe sitting on the table and I'd bring it to one of the, my mom's friends or my cousin's friends. And I'd be like, what is this? And my buddy, uh, or my cousin's buddy took it from me. And you're like, oh, that's my mom's pottery. Thanks, here, give it back. And uh, yeah, just, you know, uh, had weed, encounters as a kid and uh maybe about two years later 10 and 11 the right around the time of my uh, 11th birthday can't pinpoint it then but where my mom was staying uh had like I said a little bit older group of kids than me people that were like seven or eight years older than me like high school seniors that age uh my I don't want to get too into details my off, right off the first bat uh, of you or your audience meeting me uh, about, uh, you know, what life, you know, the upbringing I, I had going on. Basically, it was kind of, uh, oh boy. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that there's a lot of people that can, uh, relate uh, to what went on. But, you know, my mom didn't do just weed, messed around with a lot of other stuff, a lot of neglect at this particular time going on. And uh, I would, for periods of time, be all by myself, either in this house or out on the streets with this older uh, group of kids that would kind of basically be my babysitters. That's at least what they told people. Uh, when they, when I would be with them and ask where my, my mom was at or whatever, but, uh, th they had no, uh, whatever, uh, they weren't looking over me and making me follow rules or do things and, you know, having me, you know, tell me what to do or making me try to be
be one of my parents or they weren't really uh, babysitters. Like I said, I would just hang out with them. They would let me hang out with them. Uh, had the house open to myself. And uh, sometimes they would walk me to and from school. And there, there were times where before school, I, they would go to meet up with someone to smoke a joint or a blunt. And uh, they thought it was funny to hotbox me or blow smoke in my face, which I let them because I thought it was cool. And like I said, with the two previous stories, uh, my interactions with weed as a kid, uh, my parents like I said they, they knew it was good for glaucoma, but they didn't just want to like all outright just let me start smoking and packing bowls and fucking doing that kind of shit just then and yet. Well, the, these kids didn't have a problem with it. And uh, one weird ass occasion where uh, most people, it's one of those things where most people remember where they're at on the day of 9-11. But that was a, a, the, one of the peaks of me being like neglected for a long period of time to uh, where I, the whole day uh, I got walked by, like I said, this group of kids to school this, this is in 2001, obviously, I'm 11 years old in fifth grade. And uh, they let school out early. Uh, pretty much nationwide, or at least where I was, they let school out early. And uh, no one was there to pick me up. So I walked home. And, and uh, there's a lot of weird shit going on. Maybe a, a foreshadowing of a lot, lot to come. Um, two houses down from where I lived, uh, right when I would, right when I was getting back home, I saw a dude throwing up into uh, the bushes from his front porch. It was like a house that uh, first thing that comes to my mind is like a Forrest Gump house, you know that kind of house, his mama's house or whatever, uh, with, a, with a big front porch, you know, the whole length of the front of the house. And he's uh, over the, the railing of it, throwing up. And I'm looking at him and he looks at me and he's like, don't do drugs, kid. And then he goes right back to blah, throwing up all over the place. And uh, I go home and I don't know how, how long it goes by, but I end up meeting with these kids. It's already nighttime by now. And uh, we, we go somewhere, they get weed. We come back to the apartment. And it's at this time we're like, you know what, I'm, I'm sick of getting hot boxed or just getting the smoke blown on me. I, I haven't seen my mom in a fucking day. I, I, I don't know where she is. There's no one going to get mad if, I, if I'm in the circle hitting on the blunt this time. So, uh, yeah, the first time that I would say that I actually, like, smoked weed uh, in a group, you know, in, for, in a session, you know, inhalation with holding it in my own hands, smoking it tasting it, having a little bit of the effects. We'll get into that later. Uh, that's a, just a weird circumstance where it would have been it's that same day. So not only is it easy for me to remember the first time smoking weed, but I remember 9-11 extra because that ended up being the first day I would consider that I smoked weed, which is pretty crazy. But uh, later on, Later on that night, I don't know, probably like 1130 or something, my mom came home with uh, pizza. And the only uh, effect that I could remember having, like not necessarily being high, anything like that, but um, because of uh, all the adults talking about what was going on, 
basically no one paid attention to this pizza. They all took like one piece of it and just were off discussing the bullshit that happened. And I'm sitting there and I pretty much eat the entire pizza by by time that they came back for a whole fucking another slice or whatever. So that was the, the first time smoking, the only effect I remember is being able to eat practically an entire large pizza by myself. Um, and then, uh, and then, okay, so that was a freak accident. Okay, like I said, uh, because of my my mom's living style at that time, very soon after that, almost to the exact day, or maybe the next week, uh, my mom ended up getting arrested and going to jail for like two and a half years. That's when I started, that's when I moved in with my dad and uh, kind of went back to not having experiences smoking or definitely not growing yet. But later on, they came about, uh, now I'm going to bring it to where uh, YouTube and that comes into play. Uh, it's 2005, start of the school year, freshman school year. And, uh, uh, you know, we're multiple, you know, multiple places to hang out and, you know, chill with neighborhood kids. Just so happened to be that I went up and played basketball with a few people. And uh, one kid our age who was kind of a little bit more of a badass, way more than me at that age, at this time, he had weed. And he, he asked a, a buddy, he's like, hey, uh, we, here, I don't want to let a bunch of people in on this. Where can we go to smoke? And then I kind of take along because I witnessed what was going on. And the guy who he asked is my buddy. So he said, oh, we can go over to my house. And we go behind his house and pass around a joint. And this little badass kid was getting mad at me for taking too big of hits off of his joint. But I was excited because this is the first time I got to smoke since, like I said, 9-11. Uh, took uh, three, four, maybe five uh, forcefully big, large hits off this joint. Hopped on my bike and went home. And uh, sat down at the computer and in that second that's when I kind of felt a little bit more of like a tingly mind racing like thought provoking high and I didn't feel I felt the opposite of bored because I, I just I just smoked weed and I felt this way and I went on YouTube and I just wrote weed in the search bar just to see what happens if anyone had uploaded any types of videos of either people smoking or just showing buds or showing plants or anything. And there was some stuff. There was a little tiny bit of a community, I'd say, of people that definitely, I wouldn't say growers quite yet, but definitely people smoking and uh, other channels like that. Um, uh, that. Okay, so this was around 2015, start of uh, freshman year. Uh, it only takes, you know, so long into your high school, um, you know, experience where you start meeting more kids that they leave for lunch to go smoke or whatever. And that, that's ended up in the type of group of kids I hung out with and, uh, had more and more experiences of, of, uh, smoking and I'll get it now into uh, first plant that I grew. Maybe about the same uh, same time, beginning of sophomore year, uh, 
we had an experience where someone had weed and it was maybe a large circle of people and we had a bong that we were smoking out of. And I saw someone breaking up weed, pack the weed and then put it into rotation. He was breaking up more weed at the same time. Uh, similar to the vortex situation, I, I hit the first bong rip of this weed and kind of instantly know that it was really good weed. And then I kind of looked over to the buddy that was breaking down the weed and he's throwing out seeds. He's just throwing them on the ground. And I'm like, well, bad weed has seeds in it. I know that. And then this guy is literally pulling a half dozen seeds out of this weed that I think is pretty good. And I'm like, hey, uh, don't throw any more uh, seeds out. Just set them to the side. I'll, I'll take them. And uh, without knowing what that weed was, because I wasn't the one that got it, it was just told to me here at this, you know, in that meeting of hanging out, hanging out with that group of people, they told me it was lemon skunk. That's what I went off with. Okay, except this was uh, start of uh, sophomore year, maybe in the fall before it got winter. Once again, I'm in Wisconsin, big deal, winter's right here. Putting half a snow right now, negative degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so it was already the fall and I definitely wasn't gonna be germinating that seed and growing it outside. I held on to it until when it started getting nice out again. And uh, this was late May. Uh, and I just so happened to have an empty flower pot in uh, the backyard, pre-filled pre with soil too. Don't know how it got there. Remember the story of why it was or anything. There was a couple ash cigarette buds in it, that kind of thing. But I'm like, hey, I've got those seeds. It's warm out now. There's a flower pot here just staring me in the face. Germinated one seed out of that, uh, uh, what I thought was lemon skunk, little bag seed type deal. Ended up growing this plant, you know, taking care of this plant. This one plant, it's my first plant. This would be the year between uh, sophomore and junior year of high school. Also probably the peak of the high school summer party days. And uh, I'll step back a, a, a couple seconds later, uh, uh, back in the story. Um, I got my dad to be cool with me socializing, growing this weed plant, uh, because he wasn't the side of the family. It was my mom's side of the family that we were on the other side of the door that one time, uh, saying that it, it, he's got glaucoma. It's good for him. Let's let him smoke. My dad wasn't that, my dad wasn't that way. It took having to, uh, like I said, we have regular glaucoma checkups um, and uh, they have a unit of measurement that they use to test uh, glaucoma on your eye to see what pressure it is. And that kind of indicates how either good or bad your glaucoma is at that particular time. And I wouldn't have that great of checkups. Like I'd have just on the border of needing to have surgery or needing to have another pharmaceutical. Uh, when I was younger, I had more eye surgeries, um, said so attempts to fix the detached retina in my right eye uh, that failed. And then just uh, kind of routine, like said, glaucoma pressure reduction surgeries on my left eye. Well, it took uh, storing a bunch of grinder keef one time, smoking for the most part, a uh, primarily pure Keef bowl uh, that actually had a little bit of bubble to it. 
being fascinating with that, trying to you know not melt it uh, or burn it right away with the uh, lighter, letting it bubble and getting pretty ripped one time before I went to the glaucoma doctor. My dad, he kind of didn't like me smoking, already had disciplined me for smoking several times. Uh, like I mentioned in the beginning on my Instagram, I have a picture of a dog. Uh, I had a opportunity to get another dog at that same time. And my dad for disciplining me smoking for having a bag of roaches in my pocket one time uh, said that, no, you can't get the dog. So he definitely wasn't cool with me smoking at this particular time, but I got away with smoking this big bowl of teeth. He kind of figured it out uh, probably by the way I smelled of him taking me up to see my glaucoma doctor. And uh, I was used to this, the particular number that I would get for the glaucoma test was anywhere between 21 and 26 ordinarily at this time. And I, I tested and, or he tested me and I had 15 for my eye pressure. And my dad kind of looked at me like crazy. He's like, whoa, because he, he definitely never remembered in the entire time since he had custody of me testing that uh, low on the eye pressure thing. And even the doctor was like, whoa, this is crazy. And he pulled out at this time before all the documents got transitioned to digital, you know, a big fat binder of my life checkups and all that. And he went through it. He's like, yeah, you haven't had this low of a pressure since you were like five. You know what I mean? So then my dad was like uh, pretty impressed. And at that point, that's when he was okay with me growing that tea because it, he saw at that time, like, oh, it really does help. It's, it's, we'll get into more bullshit later. How obviously what every, every one of us probably listening to now, maybe there's a really young person listening that is lucky in their entire lifetime lived in a legal situation, but, uh, uh, had a really good checkup with this. And my dad was okay with me kind of even doing more growing stuff. And, uh, at this particular time in the summer when I was growing that plant, like I said, Still had lots of parties, nightly parties at my house, going to other kids' houses, all this and that, the height of high school partying lifestyle experience. And I would always have to like take the plant and put it behind my garage before anyone got there. And, uh, you know, everyone, you learn your lesson about who you get to tell things or who you let know that kind of shit at that time. And it's the number one thing that I, I, I want to say, okay, love to love to hear is what came to my mind, but there's a better word for it that I can't think of now. But anytime I hear older people, like the, there's a lot of people um, in this community that are way more established and things, and they the number one thing that they say is don't talk about it to, uh, don't talk about it to anyone, and that should always be the first rule, and it's like uh, gun safety rules, you know. That that's the number one rule of growing is never tell anyone. Maybe it's that way different, like I said now, for someone that's never had to worry about it. They got into weed or got into growing weed after it was already legalized. But another crazy story is uh, because of me blabbing, blabbing into uh, my buddies, that plant ended up being stolen, of course. But uh, for people that know less than you about weed, they stole it at the beginning of flower. They didn't come and take it when I was ready to chop it down. They just say, oh, he's got a weed plant. I'm going to take it. 
Well, you know, it, this in the same way where I shouldn't have opened up my mouth about me having a plant, people that knew what happened shouldn't open about open up their mouth about them knowing what happened to the plant. Okay. Well, we'll bring the story back to my cousin that I said goes back and forth from uh, here to California. Uh, turns out that it's a family friend of ours's little cousin, similar to me and him. Well, our family friend's little cousin convinced my buddy that uh, knew that I was growing it to steal it and to bring it to his house. So because I knew that this happened, my cousin was like, oh, don't worry, dude, we're going to get it back. Don't worry. And I always would hit up my cousin like every week. I'm like, hey, it's another week. The plant's getting more and more done. Hey, it's another week. It's getting more and more done. It's been like uh, six, seven, eight weeks. Maybe you should go by and check on it, you know, take it back. And then he's like, ah, eh, you know, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, we'll get to it, that kind of thing. And uh, like I said, uh, I always hit him up for weed anyways. I, I worked at uh, our family's... Um, kind of like a motocross, supercross uh, paraphernalia store. You can get pads and helmets and tires and parts and order things on eBay. I, I worked there and uh, my cousin partially paid me in weed. Uh, so, and anytime that he couldn't write a check, he'd be like, here, here you go. Just take two or three eighths for free, whatever. So he, he was already who I was dependent on for getting weed anyways. Uh, at this time and up until when I got the Vortex and that whole story. So I ended up hitting him, hitting him up for weed anyways, like and getting, going up and seeing him and be like, Hey man, I, you have some plants hanging and drying too. And he's like, Oh yeah, I had some, hang, uh, some plants growing too myself. And um, he's like, here, you know, you want the one, you want this one. It's uh, pretty much almost done drying and have it. It's fresh. It's better than the weed I got now. I'm like, all right. And uh, he basically convinced me to buy back the weed that I started growing in the first place. He wasn't growing a plant. He went back and took the plant that I was growing like he said he would and then kept most of it, but sold me whatever, what I wanted at this particular time, an eighth. Uh, and I, I took it back home and I, I knew that it was my plant based on the terpenes and the structure of the buds and, uh, you know, growing it for the whole veg period and maybe the first two to four weeks of it flowering. So I just laughed at that, but I cut my losses, whatever. Uh, and then uh, other- It's uh, pretty ballsy to sell your own plant bag. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a crazy story, I like it. It, it. it is pretty crazy, but you know, it's, I could be wrong, you know, but I want to say that I'm not. I want to say that I, I had a, a intimacy with just that one plant already that I knew what it was and I could tie the story together pretty well. I mean, you know, it, it is what I told you. I pretty much figured out the math of it. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd rambled on for a solid chunk there. I mean, I, I oh, still- Oh, no, no, no. I don't, let me interrupt. Everybody is loving the story so far. I uh Please, please continue. Don't let me interrupt. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, mainly it's kind of similar to what I said about when I was back in Colorado, maybe in between that plant and up until when I wanted to buy Vortex seeds. I messed around growing 
bag seeds and clones that I could get from my cousin. Nothing really special. But one thing that you, you get when you buy lots of seeds on Attitude, which for in between 2009 and 2013, I was addicted to. We'll get, we'll get into that Noah's Ark treasure trove that I don't have no more or have a small portion of still to this day. Um, but yeah, I, have, I got some blueberry clones from my cousin. Uh, he had a regular connection of blueberry, a couple different phenotypes, one that was just labeled blueberry and one that was labeled original blueberry. The uh, one that was labeled blueberry was more of an indica and plain uh, artificial blueberry tasting. Not quite artificial, maybe like a blueberry, you know, fresh blueberries, you know, like the first bite when you're chewing into them and a little bit of like a sweet tarts and then a very faint skunky note into it. And the more interesting one was the original blueberry, which had a totally different structure didn't have a good nug formation, but had a way better terpene profile, which was like the uh, it, the way it's it had different a totally different monoterp profile to you know the way it smells in the air and when you crack open a nug to the sesquiterpene profile to where you're actually tasting it and how long the taste lasts and to how much of it you smoke. So the way it, it smelled was more like that uh, old man's cologne kind of shit. Like, I don't know, it smelled like, like an old man, like, kind of like uh, tobacco and whiskey and cologne and that kind of shit. And it tasted like frosting, like a frosting on a blueberry muffin. It went from a very unique kind of cool smell because, you know, it's like I said, I already said that I liked Vortex because I figured out that it smelled like baby poo. So something that smells like an old man, for whatever reason, appeals to me too. Uh, those were two fun plants to grow that uh, couldn't continue growing. But at that same time, I grew Purple Wreck, a very uh, peculiar phenotype of Purple Urkel to train wreck. Uh, there might've been other Purple Wrecks at the time, but the way I did the math and pre-Leafly and all those kind of days, uh, the first result that I could find was uh, DNA genetics. What was, like I said, it wasn't a seed that I popped. It was clones that my uh, cousin had access to. That I did get to grow uh, two years back to back. So the second year that I got to grow it, uh, the first purchase of attitude seeds I got, I got other seeds along with Vortex. And I did it during a, a promotion deal where they gave away like 12 free seeds or more like the, prom the promotion deal was 12 free seeds. And then the amount of seeds, you know, they had uh, that uh, unbelievably free offer or something like that. The UFOs uh, freebies that you would get too. Um, so I had a, I bought, bought a bunch of three gallons around the same time. Um, oh, uh, th there was a, a, a spring to summer grow they're in the in between this time when I didn't know of a hydroponic store to go to to get kind of like legitimate, you know, like uh, happy frog, advanced nutrients, you know, trendy nutrients and bags, you know, potting soils and that kind of stuff to where I would go to uh, the local kind of places like uh, if anyone lives in the Midwest, Menards, you have a Menards, that, that's where I went for 
potting soil at this time and five gallon buckets. I drilled holes in the bottom of five gallon buckets, filled it up. And this is a, uh, what's it called? A, uh, uh, I only knew about uh, Subcool through the seed bank and that uh, the strain, his menu at that particular time, Vortex and Attitude Seed Bank. Uh, we'll get into following Subcool and the weed nerd and all that stuff. But at this time, I already had the pre-insight uh, insight or instinct to make an amended soil based on what I found at this Menards. I'm like, nah, this ain't going to do what I want it to. And uh, I remember my first soil mix, whether it's good or bad, what it was was uh, a few bags of potting soil to a bag of perlite to a bag of vermiculite to a few bags of mushroom compost. So what? Only with knowing Subcool, not yet knowing his growing techniques in super soil, I somehow put it together that it's best to mix soil, make an amended soil and grow in that. And uh, the first seeds that I grew from that uh, purchase of Attitude uh, seeds that I got was uh, they already had uh, automatics or you know, um, Attitude and greenhouse seeds were already pushing automatics then. It was green omatic from Attitude. And uh, grew out a whole five pack in these little five or five gallon buckets with a, my soil mix in there. Um, it did really good because I did something that now uh, auto flower growers know is a good technique to grow with starting a bigger soil uh, uh, base. Don't transplant and try to get as big of a tap root to base out and grow in a root mass as possible. So these are pretty well structured and nice yielding auto flowers, even for 2009. Uh, and I remember them having a kind of um, uh, a feminine palette, like girls liked it because it tasted uh, like pina colada or like a coconutty type thing going on, a coconut pineapple type going on. I don't know if all the phenos of Green Nomadic are supposed to come out like that or my growing conditions and mixing it with that uh, compost and the perlite and potting soil and vermiculite, maybe it just imparted a, a better microbe and uh, terpene response. But uh, I grew out more of those freebies along with one vortex seed, bought one pack of vortex seeds. And like I said, I've been, I was addicted to purchasing seeds on Attitude. And every time I would make a purchase of whatever strains I wanted, whatever seeds I wanted, I'd, at that time, I would always on top of the order add either a five or a 10 pack of Vortex, depending on what I had money for at that time. Uh, I wanted to save up to about 100 or 110 seeds of Vortex to do a, uh, as far as I know, what Subcool was always letting out there was an F1. You just, I always had the parental stock of a Space Dude male and an Apollo 13 female. So each time I was buying seeds, I was either buying seeds from the same batch or at least a new bat, uh, batch made with the same parents. So I kind of thought that was cool to have a collection of 110 Vortex seeds from, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 packs, whatever would add up to that. We'll get into why I didn't get to do a pheno hunt of that, uh, but uh, I thought it was cool. That's the incentive I've ha I had. Uh, but that particular summer, I grew a bunch of the freebies I got, one of those Vortexes, and a Purple Rec clone that I got from my cousin. Now, this time, 
I figured out about the uh, um, hydroponic shop. And there was one that was at a few locations, I think in Illinois and a few locations in Wisconsin, it was called Brew and Grow. From what I've been told, I haven't gone there in a long time. What I got told by my cousin, it's no longer in existence, just said. Well, I went there and I uh, bought a few bottle nutrients. Remember I bought like liquid karma from Botanicare. I bought happy frog soil. I can't remember if I had uh, any microbes at this point, but I grew all those seeds and our clones in that and gave, uh, I think I had uh, a few amendments that I put in there, like happy frog, bat guano. Um, wanna say hygrozyme, uh, I think I already had that. Uh, grew out those plants and didn't get to pull the vortex. Uh, I grew one vortex seed out of these packs because like I said, it was my intent to have a collection of vortex seeds. I only wanted to grow one, hoped it was a female just to have some to smoke on. Ended up being a male and uh, it was pretty awesome though. Like even if I had more males to select from, my uh, feeling was I got lucky and that was a pretty good male to begin with anyways. Uh, it had uh, a lot of resin even in early flower before I got to pull it. And uh, it had a pretty hard like lemon skunk profile, not the lemon skunk that I told the story about. Uh, nothing similar to that, but not because it was the same strain. It just had overwhelming limonene in the background, skunky tones to the back of it. Uh, but I, I didn't get to see what kind of floral, floral cluster it would have had. In my mind, I didn't even think it had opened up uh, pollen yet. I thought I caught it uh, at a good time. I did because my, my the rest of the plants weren't totally seeded, but when you go through every last crumb of all, all those plants, you smoke every bit of it and you find two, three seeds in each one. I knew where those seeds came from, right? that male. Uh, the, the only seeds of those that I really wish that I would have had today because of how good that purple wreck was, there's a bunch of other seeds that uh, got pollinated, but purple wreck was crazy because out of the phenotype expression that a plant like purple urkel to train wreck can display, it had like all the desirable traits or indesirable traits of uh, purple urkel and a few of the desirable traits of train wreck. Now it had a slow veg time, which came from the purple urkel. So this was good weed. It was very potent and very uh, leaning hard towards train wreck terpene profiles to where it smelled like um, what a lot of people like nowadays, burnt rubber. It smelled like uh, my dad's 1964 El Camino when it did burnouts. That's how this plant smelled drying, but it had no, no, absolutely no purple color to it. And purple's in the name. That's why I, I was excited to have the clone, but it, it didn't have it don't, the only trait that it had from Purple Urkel was its slow veg time. Everything else displayed train wreck traits about it. But uh, that would have been a, a good thing to go back to just because of how potent that female was and how uh, terpene rich and resinous that male was. That to me, the, that would have had the best gene pool to go back and uh, start a project of seed breeding through that. Um, 
So uh, at that time, um, kind of went indoors. Then I had more free seeds that I grew. Uh, I had a sour kush and I had actual train wreck from greenhouse seeds. Sour kush was from DNA genetics. And when I grew that, that was another weird ass thing that came out when uh, there's plenty of people that already had uh, heavily orange flavored strains at that time. And uh, it was before that I can remember that DNA released Tangi. But it was very weird how this uh, sour kush, which was they labeled OG kush to sour diesel, came out uh, super orange peel, really good smelling florally weed to where I, people who didn't know as much about terpene profiles, it was just dead on to them. I could open up a jar, let them smell it, and they smell oranges right away. It's, it was obvious oranges. It was weird. So I just once in a while think that there's accidentally uh, a seed. They have seed stock and they drop one seed in the wrong bin and it ends up going to some lucky person and they crack a freebie sour kush seed and it comes out tangy or somehow, yeah, whatever. I, I maybe you should have told them about it. Like, hey, I got a sour kush. It's OG kush and sour diesel. It should be fuely, you know, but it's dead on to orange. It was really weird. Uh, and I had a train wreck this time. It was the first indoor seed pop that I did after that summer and fall. And at this particular time, I had a grow buddy, someone to help me grow. And uh, he was way more into racing cars uh, than growing, but he was good at both. But both of us together were really good at growing and staying on top of a plant, making sure it had no deficiencies researching what to do if it did really big into flushing and that kind of thing he was more into you know we were buying seeds together but he was more into keeping clones of stuff that he liked which is uh sh should have dawned on me earlier you know it, we'll get into why it wouldn't have been worthwhile anyways what i'm leading to uh but he we cloned out the sour cushion train wreck and uh i because I had that vortex male, um, I cut clones of it when it was flowering before I took the actual plant down. And I knew so little of uh, growing and how plants re-veg at this time that I thought the plant went through some mutation and was fucked up because we had clones of uh, this vortex male, the sour kush and the train wreck. And because I didn't, uh, uh, have any cuts to that uh, purple train wreck that I had. I bought train wreck seeds, which, you know, led to what was due to me having a previous experience with train wreck and being real strong. And, you know, the average run of the mill strains that you would get back in the day, the blue dream, green cracks, our diesel train wreck, white widow, uh, sweet tooth, I mean, stuff like that. Um, I had uh, the vortex male and it started revegging. And when it did, the flower pods went away right away, which was a good thing. But it went from, you know, the seven to the five to the three to the single bladed things. And me and my friend both never seen that before. And we're like, you can't breed with this. Look, it's all fucked up. It's a mutant. You can't fucking breed with it. But we didn't know it was just revegging. We just didn't, we didn't give it enough time to come back and start looking like a, a clonable plant again. 
shouldn't have thrown that away. Anywho, uh, grew out another clone run of the Sour Kush and Trainwreck. We popped some more seeds. We had an OG 18 seed that we popped that uh, we grew into a mother and then actually couldn't get clones to root from that. So then we popped a Bubba Kush. No, oops, sorry, in between there, we popped a Wapa from Paradise Seeds and Coltrane from uh, Reserve Provider or DNA Seeds again. Uh, Wapa was interesting, but not really much to talk about. The Coltrane was interesting. And uh, at that time, it had the most frost on the outside of leaves that I had seen of any plant and what I see today of like uh, like uh, dessert type strains, you know, like original uh, forum cut Girl Scout cookies. It had that level of frost on the most sativa narrow leaf leaf set you've ever seen where it was a the leaves were kind of long, still kind of short though, but as thin as a blade of grass and they had more space between each leaf than any other plant that I've seen at that time and probably still today. It looked like a hemp leaf or something like that, but it had a ridiculous amount of frost on it. And it had weak stems that we had to stake and tie up and yo-yo. Uh, we cut that down and it, we didn't have any uh, rare, uh, real proper way of collecting hash other than a good grinder with an ice screen in it. And it made the most like white looking, uh, well separated for the device Keith as we've ever seen. And this will lead into me dabbing, okay? Uh, I previously had learned about what BHO was and the book that I mentioned before with my buddy uh, Surrounded by Keith, the old channel or the old show we did, Getting to Know Cannabis. I learned about uh, marijuana botany and BHO from the same person. It was a uh, mentioned stories about my mom and incarceration and neglecting me. And uh, the same person that she rolled with at that time was uh, the person that told me that stuff at a very young age. Once when I was really young around those 9-11 days and I had no idea what he's talking about. And then once again, later on around that 2009 time period, he told me all about BHO and his experience making it and how fucked up it got him. I'm like, okay, it seems pretty cool. So right around that same time, maybe it's a 2000. Yeah, okay. I, another timestamp for how I remember this is, uh, it was, if there's any UFC fans out there, it was when John Jones beat uh, Shogun uh, Hua for the light heavyweight championship. I don't remember what UFC that was. I want to say maybe 217, something like that. I want to say this was 2010, couldn't have been 2011. Had to be 2010-ish, wintertime. Uh, going on Aqualab, yeah, Aqualab.com, or it was Aqualab. That's where I had to go to get my first dabbing devices. And it was the ones where I don't have an example around here to show, but it was the drop down looking thing that you stuck a glass nail in and put the globe on top of. And uh, I, I learned so much about dabbing that I had the devices to dab previous to the uh, tools to make a BHO with, but we were looking at this really good Coltrane grinder key. We're like, man, I bet you this is this is gonna definitely be full melt. We can dab this, and sure enough, we did. I got that thing that day. Uh, 
we whipped it out, unpacked it, put it in a, a straight tube bong. Maybe it was a flask, I can't remember. I think it was a flask. Yeah, a flask bottom bong uh, or beaker bong, whatever. Um, put that little uh, dab nail on it and smoked all this uh, Coltrane grinder keef and got really fucked up and watched uh, John Jones win the UFC title and obviously go on to all the shit, all, all the wins that he had at that, uh, you know, present tense. Um, yeah, but uh, I got so high that my buddy, that my girl buddy and uh, buddy that I dabbed with, he left and I had another friend come over and saw me melted to the couch. He's like, whoa, man, what the hell is wrong with you? And he's like, dude, and I, I had to explain to him, like, dude, I'm so high, I can feel it in my toes. I can feel the outline and the edge of my body in the toes. That's how fucking high I am right now. And from that point on, uh, we'll get into it. Oh, my, my phone is sitting on the back of two jars of distillate that I'll show later probably. But not that I want to be dabbing distillate. It's just what I have access to right now. But with the glaucoma and another thing that I have, uh, had undiagnosed scoliosis till I was 21 and had to have a uh, fusion back surgery on my back when I was 21. So the two things that I smoked for, uh, for medically were, for my whole life, I needed it was the weed. And uh, since I was 21, uh, the scoliosis surgery. Um, so I, we got real high off this Coltrane. Uh, first time I dabbed, gave me a great experience. I loved it, wanted more of it. And that's when I get into a whole another portion of my backstory and what my knowledge primarily relies in breeding, like I say, that's what I got a, the most passion for. I could say skill, but it's less applied. The more thing that I have applied, it's, a, it's a, like a Venn diagram or, you know, like seesaw of what's what I have more skill and passion in, what I have more passion and skill in. But uh, the concentrates came next. And that went down from everything from uh, um, uh, uh, the turkey, uh, stainless steel turkey baster to the sub-zero open blasting setup. Uh, oh, the still open blasting one, but the sub-zero one that you could pack with dry ice. Uh, that's pretty much what I dedicated stuff to then. I still smoked a little bit of flour, but uh, any bit of trim and uh, the bottom nugs of plants all got blasted from that point on from like that 2010 till about maybe uh, 20, up until I got busted, but 2011, because that's when I started or 2012, because that's when I started get, uh, getting dabs from other people or my cousin would bring dabs back from California. Um, but uh, yeah, I got pretty good at that. And the only thing that we knew that was like the high tech at that time, other than uh, a vacuum oven, pulling all the terpenes and all that shit up. <laughs> yeah, uh, Freudian slip, because you're accidentally pulling terpenes off as you're taking off all the uh, residual, residual butane. But we were big into de-waxing at that time. And I had a whole technique into similar to how the tube was jacketed in a, a outside column that you would put dry ice in. I would do the same thing with a uh, Pyrex measuring 
um, glass uh, with the handle and uh, a five gallon bucket. And I would put the, the, you know, one liter fucking measuring cup in the, in the um, bucket, pack around it dry ice. So everything that came out of uh, the tube that was negative 40 degrees went into a, a container that was negative 40 degrees. And we'd wait maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours, and then uh, pour through a, a vacuum aspirated uh, Buckner funnel. And, uh, and we would have pretty much de-waxed shatter then if we would let it go to shatter or uh, let it evaporate in another pan. Here's the problem. When you evaporate it in a pan and it's summertime out, it evaporates quickly and you get more of a waxy product. And then if you were to do this on a night like it's tonight, negative uh, a couple of degrees temperature with the wind chill, uh, the butane acts kind of like alcohol to where at room temperature, the alcohol doesn't vaporize much. And you got to let uh, um, a, uh, you know, a Pyrex pan of uh, RSO or alcohol or ethanol-based extraction sit out and over time it'll evaporate. The same thing happens with butane if it's way, way, way below the um, evaporation point of butane. Once you're in sub-zero, there's literally no evaporation of butane at all. You can let butane set in a vessel, a vessel and it's going to take a day or two for it to all evaporate away, same as how it does with uh, alcohol at room temperature. So like I said, we are already using a uh, de-waxing setup. And on a night like this, uh, we went overnight and came back to it in the, in the middle of the night uh, or in the, in the morning the next night. And we basically had uh, what everyone now would call sauce and diamonds. Now this was not separated because I had no idea to know ahead of time that this would happen. And uh, it came out more of a mixed uh, together like cookie dough with chunks of THC mixed in with it. And because of the texture, I just put it aside and I'm like, we didn't let, let it de-wax completely. Uh, and there's still waxes in it and that's what happened. And if anyone remembers uh, Brett Maverick from here on YouTube back in the day, he used to have uh, Google Hangouts chats and uh, that's, a lot, that's part of where I got to meet a lot of people along with a lot of other growers and smokers that did uh, Google Hangouts chats. And I told him that I was doing, and he kept telling me that that's THCA crystalline. And I'm like, how do I separate it? And I, he's like, I don't know, do the same thing you did to de-wax it. And uh, I never did the same thing I did to de-wax it because I didn't know about how much to, you know, I never had that same situation um, in a like scientific setting to replicate or repeat that same thing that happened. You know, this, this was a once in a lifetime thing that happened. It never was that cold again, anytime that we processed uh, some BHO. So that was a one-time thing that happened. I didn't know about tech techniques now where they have actually dedicated devices, you know, uh, like a de-waxing column. They have uh, diamond mining columns where you can separate THCA and terpenes to have uh, the um, high cannabinoid uh, extract and the high terpene extract. But that was really fun. And those days, I would say, were my favorite period of growing. Beginning of two, uh, the, the 
summer and you know flowering outdoor season of 2009 up until I unfortunately got busted in 2013. And uh, if I if I want to get into that, it's the same. I'll repeat back to where the number one rule of growing should be never letting anyone know. And at this stage where I already had come and figuring about figuring that out, out about someone taking a plant, not only should uh, I have never let anyone know, but I should have never even restarted talking to high school friends at this time. And uh, basically, no. I, Just it, said... I ruined it. At this point, I'm just curious. Well, I don't want to interrupt the story, but Go you ahead. more than I deserve a, a dab at this point. At mm-hmm. this point, you more than deserve a dab if you want one. I just wanted to give you a break to take a dab if you want one. Right. But man, it's been that. a great story so yeah. far, man. I knew this was going to be a good one, and it's been pretty damn inspirational, to, be, to tell you the truth. And uh, yeah. man, very much enjoying the story so far. I just wanted to give you a break at some point. I'm si- I've been sitting here chiefing, just right. fucking enjoying yeah, this this whole story, and I didn't. I felt just kind of rude that you know you're sitting here, you know, you know, telling this great story, and I'm just you know, I'm being I'm surprised rude and smoking. <laughs> I'm surprised on my end on uh, the the lack or the the the. Uh, the edge to uh, brain farts that I've been on. There's a couple of times where I felt it, but I'm almost like satisfied and impressed with uh, being able to pull it all together without forgetting anything. But hold on, another oh, dad man. might be able to do it. No, man, uh, for real, man. All through Chad, all through this episode, man, people have been giving you severe props, man. Thank you. And, uh, how great a story this is. And, you know, as far as, you know, the family issues, boy, brother, I can relate. So, you know, no hesitation there, man. I can relate. My, uh, uh, yeah, I can definitely, definitely relate to everything you're saying there. I, much, my, my mom, I had a mother that had uh, went on, did a lot of other drugs other than cannabis and there was more than one time where she left me and my brother to kind of bear for our own on several mm-hmm. occasions so i can yeah. i can relate brother i can relate. you know what's weird about that time in my life though is uh maybe it's uh you don't know enough about the world to kind of fear it but a lot of people kind of uh like uh you know, public anxiety about things or just being out in public, going to here and there and being in groups of people. But at that time, I don't, I don't know what it was, but uh, six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds don't belong out on the streets. But for my willingness to want to be out there, have no fear and like be able to get from one town to the other, either by foot or by a bike, it, it feels totally different then and now. Like, I feel like a uh, I was more ballsy and less hesitant to put myself out there and, uh, or more ballsy to put myself in dangerous situations than now. Maybe that's more of a perception thing. Cause like I said, I know more about life. And I, what do you think? Could be, could be. Uh, 
I think you're on the right track there for sure. For sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, yeah, I never thought about. Hey, I, I should have more uh, supervision or more attention, or you know, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it in a disciplinary kind of way, but uh, tabs being kept on me and things in a in adult world and child's you know world that you get on to doing faster and uh before you know maybe appropriate time ranges and ages to be doing that kind of shit as far as things on a disciplinary way it was kind of weird how that went because um yeah i don't talk about this a lot but uh me and my little brother were actually dropped off my mother because of drugs uh craziness dropped me and my little brother off on my stepdad's porch when he was at work when I was six and he was four. So a lot of growing up was me and him and dad working, being absent. So, you know, I always felt that uh, that need to look out for little brother and kind of, you know, be that parent. So I kind of taught myself kind of morals and values and, you know, kind of watching out for little brother. It was weird actually growing up. I remember like in high school being with my little brother and, uh, (laughs) you know, it it was weird. It it was weird because I'd be like partying, but yet I'd be like parenting the little brother. You know what I mean? Don't be swear. Don't touch that. You know what I mean? And and that was just kind of the weird role I had growing up. So it's much different than a lot of other people's childhoods, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think it without the parent being there, I think you kind of teach yourself wrong for right. And I think you, you stick to those values more seriously because they came naturally to you. You know, I, they weren't taught. It just seems to be common sense. You know, uh, you saying that reminded me of a similar situation where my sister has a lifelong memory of me being there for protecting her uh, uh, in the same house that I had the 9-11 first weed smoking experience. My mom would, you know, stay locked in the bathroom doing drugs for hours at a time. And I would be pounding on the door, you know, forcing her to get out and that kind of shit. And one time I got fed up with it and she wasn't, you know, taking care of me or my sister. So I took my sister out of the house and I, I went to the, we, we lived close enough walk to the zoo where I'm at and we went to the zoo and she didn't understand my frustration or even under, you know, understand that I was pissed off with what was going on. So for her and her memory, she always thinks it's like uh, the day her older brother took her to the zoo just for no reason, you know, just to be nice to his little sister. So I definitely relate with that with the younger siblings. You know, and I think I'm sitting here reading Chad as well. And uh, I believe it, Steve Collins says, I'm 48 and still not grown forever young. And Steve, I think I can relate to you as well. I, you know, I've been told even at, I just turned 49 last week. Uh, my age, I'm constantly be told, 
you need to grow up. You need to stop being a kid. Stop being a kid. I think because of the way I grew up having to be adult at a young age, I don't think I'm ever going to grow up. You know what I mean? I'm forever trying to reclaim that kid in me. And I don't want to yeah, ever grow that, up. That's, that's, that's a little bit what I mean about like how I felt as a six-year-old to like, I should have a little bit of that as an adult because I would be, uh, yeah, I'd have way more uh, willingness to do a lot more excitement, exciting things and try to do things, to, you know, whatever, you know, jump on top of, you know. Missed uh, the, the dab song. I can still do it. I can keep going. I can do another song, uh, dab just to play the dab song if you'd like. <laughs> no, uh, I, well, I we I'm not going to discourage another dab by any means, my friend. By I, any means, you yeah, I had a little flare up problem there. I have uh, two uh, picky torches. I got to use two torches for one now. One doesn't light itself, and then one doesn't have enough uh, gas or. Uh, hotness of, of its flame. So I got to combine forces to get a proper dab. That was uh, one that was unsatisfying. So yeah, I'm going to be doing another one regardless. Yeah, please do. Please do, my friend. I, uh, well, I do, well, I don't try to play the dab songs during this episode. We, it's the same no, reason that's why a I... Thing? Well, it used to be a whole show kind of thing, okay. but uh, I learned some things during some great episodes that were temporarily lost due to my stupidity. So in that, I learned a few things, and that's one is not to try to play music during these episodes because, oh, you know, like this is a great episode, and I would hate for the, yeah, yeah, I respect you enough not to, you know, You've put a lot of time into this and you know, and told us all about yourself. The least I could do is not fuck this up and have it taken down as soon as we're done. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I'll, I'll take that, yeah, the time for to thank you for this too. You know, that's I'm I'm the two things that I like right now about being here is actually uh to talk to you and the audience. And uh, for you to, you know, be reaching your hand out and, you know, our short relationship of knowing each other for, you know, just a small amount of time and you, you know, not being uh, uh, whatever, uh, like in a, you know, push away type of attitude, you are welcoming and, you know, all about it. So thank you. No, no, man. I thank you for, you know, checking out the channel and liking what you see and, you know, hanging out here uh for sure and actually you know this is a perfect time to kind of address a little bit of that why you get going there it's uh we had a little bit of uh stuff in chat tonight yeah. a little bit of back and forth yeah and it you know honestly it's heartbreaking to see that because what it was is like it was from coming from another platform over to here and i kind of warned about the other platform being 
uh, what it is. But you know, I hate to see that because, you know, I set this channel up to where, you know, everybody can come and play. And it should be, you know, a safe zone for anybody to come and play. Just so to see a little bit of division in chat tonight kind of really bummed me out. You know, I really hope this is a place where everybody can come and be respected. That's one thing I've talked about throughout this whole thing is, you know, everybody has an opinion and we should respect your opinion. We should be able to, me and you should be able to have this chat and even you can say whatever you want as long as it doesn't offend or hurt anybody i'm willing to listen to it and because there's plenty of reasons to that is because a i'm not set in my opinion enough to think that i know everything you may say something that could sway my opinion about my beliefs or prove me wrong i'm you know what i mean i'm not I'm forever learning. And if you can prove me wrong and show me that I'm my way of thinking is incorrect, I will adapt and accept your way of thinking. So I try to respect everybody's opinion and let it be heard. So, and with that being said, I like to think that if you say something that I don't agree with, that I'm also respectful enough to let you hold your opinion to yourself and we can shake hands walk away with that conversation and come back and you know smoke a joint at another time and be friends we shouldn't have to be redundant or be caught up on an issue that is you know it's not life-changing it isn't what we're about or who we are it's just an opinion so you know i'm I move past these issues on a daily basis and wake up and want to shake hands and, you know, hang out. You know, life's too short to be hung up on some small issues. So, you know, with that being said, please keep the chats clean. I respect everybody and wish everybody to come hang out here night after night. If you guys want to have hang out other places, you guys are completely adults. Do whatever you want. But when you guys are here and you see another member from another chat that maybe you don't disagree, you know, just don't address that person. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. And if the problem originated from another chat, please address that in that area. That's all I'm asking. So, you know. Thank you for everybody that tunes in and, you know, much respect. I have much respect for everybody that comes here and hangs out night after night. And I would like to see everybody turn up here night after night and turn up just because they like what's going on here. They want to learn about cannabis and they have fun while they're here. So let's respect that and just run with yep. Our love for cannabis, please. What are we looking at there, uh, Red Pill? That's uh, a right. relatively usual size dab I take. I don't know. I, with distillate, I kind of just try to twirl it and be as clean with it as possible. Just a little messy. Cheers. Cheers, brother.
<clears throat> I took you off where the camera was mounted uh, to plug my phone in <clears throat> to the charger. <clears throat> no worries. <clears throat> Yeah, that was a satisfying day, but so <clears throat> where I left off was uh, right around the time where I got busted and why I had to move out to Colorado. Um, a friend of mine seen me eating breakfast through the front window of my house. He was walking down the street, looked at my house, saw me in the front window eating breakfast and came up to the front door. Wish I had a lie to make up to him. Like, oh, I have COVID. Go away. You know, that kind of thing. That this wasn't the time though yet. But uh, ended up, he's like, "Hey, you want to hang out? Yeah, I'll come over to my house. You know, and you know, so and so. You know, they want to see you and hang out and that kind of stuff." So that probably was the biggest <clears throat> mistake of my life because uh, they uh, were the judgmental type kids you know what it was like too outside of their experience it wasn't the same circle of friends that I said I left lunch period with to go smoke that would have probably been totally okay with and probably rather have me growing and keeping it a secret so that way they could get better weed all the time you know it wasn't that kind of group of friends though so uh, on my end they say that you know some someone gave in a, a tip that uh, that I could be growing or selling marijuana out of the house. Now, uh, we have all the uh, court documents and everything like that. If I wanted to go deeper into it, I, I guess I could do a Freedom of Information Act and find out the exact, uh, you know, rat type situation. Uh, my dad says that it was uh, neighbors, our backyard neighbors. Now, it could be. Because at this particular time, once again, it was a harvest season. This, I got busted in, in September of 2013. It could be the backyard neighbors. I did have a, a nine-foot-tall Hawaiian snow plant back there that they probably could have seen. But it also probably could have been my friends that were either jealous or straight-up scared that I was growing. Yeah, that, that, that's what I take away from it. And... Uh, they do the normal thing when they get a tip like that, where they'll uh, surveil the house. You know, they, they would park down the street and watch who came and who left the house and that kind of shit. Uh, reason to believe that when, when they took my phone, they <clears throat> went through all the messages and all, all that. That could have been a end, one end of things that actually was one thing that kind of saved me because people did ask for weed and I always told them no. I always had one reason because I would, I would literally tell them, nope, I'm making chatter with it or nope, I'm not harvesting for another two months. Sorry, that kind of thing. So there's no like, uh, you know, that kind of saved me because it wasn't like someone asking for some amount of weed and being like, yeah, X amount of money, come pick it up, that kind of thing. That was a good one, one good thing that I was stingy with <laughs> my weed at the particular time. Um uh, and then, uh, man, I don't know how deep, I, I don't want to know how uh, public I want to get with some of this. I, I guess I can tell some shit. Uh, the, in this circumstance, like where I, I got busted, like I said, if 
I didn't move out of my dad's house in any period of this story. So this was all taking place at my dad's house. And uh, oh, oh, back, uh, back information, Scoot, a uh, little bit to know uh, about, about me would be, you know, more about my parents and grandparents and stuff like that. Well, I was in the upbringing where you have a grandfather that shows you the, uh, uh, you know, proper way to handle firearms and be safe with them and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, when I turned 18, I started buying right, a few rifles and pistols. So those were there present here. And when you get busted for growing, that makes it a whole nother level of uh, uh, cops being pissed off about the situation. So because there was actually no uh, dealing going on, their surveillance came up with nothing. Right? No one came to the house, picked up anything. You know, no one left with anything. Uh, they had nothing to report on. And usually then they would go home in a lot of states that that's about it. And that's all they can do. I live in a state where it's legal for anyone, anyone, including the police, just any old person and anyone, a citizen, police, anyone that sees your trash can go through it and take it, right? And uh, I already, I wasn't dumb enough to have uh, leaf litter, the sticks that you're left over with, you know, your stems and all that, no empty nutrient bottles, no scissors, no uh, small pot, no, you know, rooting trays, no, uh, any, no old cubes or anything like that. That all got taken and my dad took it to where he worked and they have a, a dumpster for like uh, construction and fucking a whole bunch of other junk that got dumped off to a whole nother offsite like uh, uh, industrial dumpster somewhere. And, uh, but I, what I did have that they went through which is crazy, is resi toothpicks, like uh, cleaning a pipe, you know, you get a clogged pipe, you smoke, and they, ha they had trash, and they had, they found resi toothpicks in the trash, and that's what a judge signed the warrant for, to kick in the door over that, that, that to them said that whoever gave them that tip was right, that, oh, yeah, resi toothpicks, that means he's selling and growing weed, you know what I mean? And that, that's how they came in. They came in and that particular morning, I literally had the, the website to, uh, um, oh my God, first brain fart I had, oh my God, uh, the vacuum, the vacuum oven company across international. Woo! I had uh, the site and everything pulled up and right to enter my fucking card number to order a uh, uh, my first vacuum oven I, I had it right there and I, I was like okay I'm gonna order this vacuum oven dad I'm gonna take a shower first he's like all right and I hop in the shower and then my dad comes pounding on the door like three minutes later when I still have the the shampoo in my hair and I'm like you know shampoo in my hair and I was like dad or my, my dad comes in he's like son the cops are here they're gonna bust down the door that kind of thing and then the cops coming in they're coming in and they're pulling me out and I'm taking a shower and I'm like, at least fucking let me to finish the goddamn shower. And like I said, because I was literally full of shampoo, uh, I rinsed my head under the shower long enough for them to scream at me and pull me out of the shower. 
And then at an awkward situation where the guy was polite enough to let me dress in the clothes, but had to stand in the room with me to make sure I didn't go for anything in the dresser or that kind of fucking bullshit. And that was pretty fucking weird. And then, you know, they just sat us on the couch and do the normal routine thing that happens to everyone, unfortunately. And uh, the only thing to take away from that, that's any bit of interest that don't want to PTSD anyone that I know experienced the same thing. But I, a couple nights ago, previous to that, had a weird instinct to rearrange the way I stored my seeds. And it, it was a good thing plus a bad thing. And I divided my seeds into ones that I intended on growing and ones I intended on breeding. And the place where they found a bag of seeds was the seeds I intended on breeding. And then I was left over with maybe 25 or 50%, somewhere in that range of the rest of the seed library I had that I intended on growing. And I was really, you know, anytime I ordered seeds on attitude, the ones that I intended on breeding were the most, you know, ones that brought me to the site, the reason I was buying seeds there. And then the seeds that I intended on growing were all the freebies and maybe some other stuff that I was interested in, but not so particularly dedicated on pheno hunting and going through breeding. But that's what happens. They, uh, <clears throat> they got the good portion of the seed bank. And uh, the reason I went out to Colorado is because uh, the only words that the judge said to me is how lucky I am and I should think about moving to Colorado. I want to continue what I'm doing. And uh, the only, th here's a weird um, um, current event thing that's going on. I don't want to set off more algorithms with uh, uh, um, flirting with the dab song or saying uh, that thing that's going, the bug that's going around. But my uh, particular lawyer that I had that like said that the weed charges mostly got dropped. The only thing that my dad got charged with was uh, owning and operating a drug house and uh, uh, manufacturing THC. And he got less of a sentence than uh, 20 years prior when he got busted for growing in 1993. My dad got busted for growing, which is a weird thing because like I said, he was pretty negative towards weed uh, for me growing up, but he got uh, his first marijuana um, manu uh, manufacturing THC charge in 93. And the only reason why we uh, got, we, my, we didn't get the gun charges, that's what they were mainly upset about is because of my dad's former charges and then me having my own guns in the house, which they went uh, all crazy over and said that well, because I'm blind, I can't really shoot a gun and those aren't really my guns. I'm just buying them so my dad could have them. And I told you about my, my grandpa and him bringing me up my whole, my whole life. First time I shot a gun, I was seven years old. We got busted when I was 23 years old, had plenty of gun experience leading up to that and frequented uh, the, you know, our city or neighborhood uh, uh, shooting range. And they have a, you know, a, like an attendance or sign up sheet there that you have to sign before you go in there to shoot. And that ended up saving me too, because they're like, this kid's blind. He can't shoot a gun. This is all a fucking lie. And then my, the, the lawyer who we had, don't want to name drop this, but the damn current event thing is if anyone knows about that, uh, 
the Kenosha shooting. Uh, and then the response to that and the little kid that came uh, to Wisconsin and shot other kids in the street. Uh, the, his lawyer representing him, representing that kid is who my, me and my dad's lawyer was who represented us. So we had like the best lawyer at, at, at the time way above like he has crazy cases and he looked at me like I was a fucking waste of time he hated me he, he didn't want you he, he was very you know upset about having a uh, whatever defend me but it was a, a family friend or one of my dad's um, family uh, um, childhood friends ironically his either mom or dad is married to this lawyer's mom or dad so they were able to get us the best lawyer and he's like i'm fuck i got way bigger cases than this fucking little pothead but he was able to uh get the gun charges dropped because he went to two things he went to the gun range and saw all my attendances on the sign-up sheet which proved i was there and practicing and you know could actually do what they said i couldn't do and uh, they said that there was no way to track that these all guns were registered to me. And I'm the one that was that physically bought them. And I have a, a, you know, a record of that. And they were so stupid that they didn't even look in the gun cases themselves to find those documents. So my, the, the lawyer had like a, a private investigator hired that went there and went to the evidence and pulled it out and showed him. So then they showed him, oh, no, it's really his guns and he's really using them. And there's already Supreme Court rulings that say that uh, someone living in a person's house that's a, a felon and can't possess weapons isn't a, a crime in and of itself to charge that person with possession of those weapons. So the gun charges were totally dropped. And like I said, my dad got a le lesser sentence, only two years probation for the two charges that he got. And uh, so the judge told me that uh, I, it's the luckiest day of my life and I need to move out to Colorado if I want to continue doing what I'm doing because it was, you know, at that time, kind of like a joke, like, oh, Colorado just legalized. You can grow weed there. And then uh, almost right away, I moved out there, but I had one of those eye surgeries again. I, who could have guessed it, the cutoff to my, my medicine that I was growing, my, you know, the home, you know, paying attention to taking care like it's a baby plants like how we cherish and then me extracting it and having the best pretty much glaucoma medicine on earth that was cut off and uh, <clears throat> I had to have another eye surgery and I had to have this this is the first time I had to have like something implanted it's like a little tiny straw on the top of your eye that mechanically can release pressure if the natural things in your eyes can't do it for, for you and uh, th that kind of brings me back into moving back into Colorado and then getting access to what I'll, uh, uh, my favorite dabs that I ever got uh, retail or, you know, medical was uh, Green Dot Labs. If anyone's in Colorado or has ever had access to Green Dot Labs, uh, that's probably the best uh, anything, the best thing I've ever had that I didn't produce myself in concentrate form. Once in a while, I've, I've had people give me flour that's as good as my flour, but like I said, I'm more picky about flour. I think it's easy, there's more people in the world that can make uh, as good of an extract as you can make than there's growers that know how to grow and cure and dry and flush and store and 
that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I got to <laughs> say to you and cheers for, to you, man. I paint some, I paint some motherfuckers, man. I don't have by any means have or have had the level of high pain I'm sure you endure. But at one point I had a condition called iritis, which is uh, an eye infection where all three muscles of your eyes shut down and uh, it's terrible. And when I had that, it was like so bad. I had to put have drops every hour, five different drops every hour on the hour to fight the infection. Otherwise I could possibly lost the vision in that eye. And that shit was horrible. That eye pain was horrible, man. I I, I have had my medical book. My medical book. If my my you could put my medical file to one, all in one place and actually make it, you know what I mean, a file. It would be probably as thick as thick as a law book. Right. Stupidity. Yeah, that, and I, I remember when that switch happened. When my file got switched into a data form in the doctor's computer's offices from the old paper file. Like I said, it was like a thick, you know, like thick as a Bible type shit. So. That eye pain was by far, by far the worst pain I've ever endured. So cheers to you, brother, for hopefully finding some comfort in cannabis because the head shit is... Well, yeah, that, that'll lead terrible. into it because that... What little weed I did grow back in Colorado and uh, the access to them really good dabs. Not only is it really good for back pain that I had from scoliosis surgery, but it, it works so good for the glaucoma. Now it's not as where it taps into the pocket and would be real nice to be uh, growing and producing way more than I could, uh, you know, need to um, supply on a daily amount. But uh yeah, if I go between two and four grams concentrate, don't really need to do four grams of like we're talking about live resin. This distillate, there's you know more magic to uh, extract with terpenes in it by far than just a plain distillate. I end up smoking way more of the distillate than I do uh, live resin sauce or extract uh, shatter. But yeah, uh, two to four grams of any kind of dabs. Uh, I, eliminated four different prescription medicines for the glaucoma, four different drops. My, my doctor called it a full court press. That's what he always said. He's like, well, we have to maybe consider surgery because we can't give you another uh, a prescription for it. You're already on full court press. So uh, it's a good thing, but it, it's only because I can afford it right now. I mean, we, we, now that I told enough of my backstory, we can get into like what I plan to get into now in the future. Um, like I said, I'm right here in Wisconsin. My dad has uh, a buddy uh, wanting to get his medical license uh, in Illinois. Illinois has a, they do have a medical home grow. You can grow five plants. So what I'm probably gonna end up doing is managing uh, or, you know, helping him grow and we're probably going to grow one huge ass plant under one light, you know, optim optimize yield as much as I can because uh, there's no limits to what setup we can make. There's no limits to what kind of grow room we can build. I can grow four 
or five huge ass plants, you know, keep one mother and grow four huge ass plants, one under one light themselves. And then that's, that's a good thing. So the only documentation of uh, actual cannabis grow is going to be then, but that might not be till uh, between uh, March and May, at least another two months. <clears throat> but that uh, I'm hoping is going to happen. In the meantime, I'm going to have a vegetable garden that I'm going to do. And the only content that I can provide that's useful is, like I said, the soil mixing, the soil amending. I, I definitely want to buy a microscope that I can get the camera attached to and do a lot of slide work and microscope work and build microbes. And that's the more end that I can, you know, the, the teaching part of it that I can do. You know, I, I want to get want to get more back active into the swing of things as far as uh, doing stuff uh, with the community goes. You know, like I said, uh, me and my friend Keith, we did a sh uh, show getting to know cannabis and uh, <clears throat> your show and a few other shows, you know, the, uh, kind of made me want to redo that, you know, like re-inspire me to do that and uh, make the best of my situation, you know, and oh, to the add on top of that, this is the vibe I was getting for like the past two weeks, maybe from the start of the new year. I had uh, the uh, future cannabis projects uh, that I watched the shit ton out of one of my other buddies in Arizona sent me a link to one of those like breeding conversations. And he said that, hey, you sound like you could have a conversation with uh, some of these guys. And then, you know, about this channel. And I'm like, uh, no. And then I, I watched that video, but then it kind of, I had other things, other things that I was fascinated with watching at that period of time. Whole another topic of discussion or maybe another episode is another thing I'm really into and really love a lot is comedy, stand-up comedy. And uh, pretty much got addicted to the show Kill Tony. If anyone's ever watched that. If you've in the network of Joe Rogan's podcast and all of his buddies. Uh, uh, he has a buddy, uh, the, the person that helped him start the podcast, Red Band, um, and uh, the comedian Tony Hinchcliffe. They have a show, and it's sort of like an like the American Idol sort of format, where you can go back and watch the shows um, pre-pandemic. That's what I would do if you want to get into that show to get an idea of how fun it is. But they basically have a random sheet to sign up on in a bucket and at random your name can get drawn from the bucket if you sign up and you're performing in front of a, a live crowd plus either a guest comedian or just uh, tony inchcliffe and brian redman and they kind of you know either roast you or you know give you if you do good kind of you know give you tips and help promote you and you know kind of push you along sort of like uh you know is like a what, whatever reward for if it's your first time ever doing it and you're so good at it they're like dude you need to do this keep on doing it so when I found that show that was literally like pre-pandemic that was right around when I got my dog got got my dog dash if you want to see him it's on my uh, Instagram red pill 710 got him on uh, January 6th or 7th of 2020 whichever one of those was a Sunday it was a Sunday morning when I got him and around that same time uh I found that podcast and even though I heard uh, either Joe Rogan or Tony Inchcliffe bring it up before is one of those things that I, I mentioned before uh, with the algorithm uh, 
when I first hopped on here. Like, even though I heard that for whatever reason, I didn't find it until it was uh, suggested to me. And it was right around their 420 episode. It was like maybe 417, 416 or something like that. And the first one I watched, I was hooked. I loved it. It's like, to me, it's, to me that you know uh, one it makes me want to be makes me uh, feel reinvigorated on a whole nother type of thing you know like that that's a whole nother passion of mine that I love would love to try uh, force try to force myself to write anything I think of that's that you know it, later on if I hang her out more in the chats and in the wormhole type thing it might express itself more but definitely in uh, Google Hangouts the past years chatting with a lot of people it's I'm very quick to where my brain will think something's funny and uh, I, I just like that whole thing of getting those kind of oh. funny ideas in your head and please writing sh- them down. please come share Please come share Red Pill because it helped me out to know that I'm not the only one that fucking does that. Because, you know, I I microdose a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be a lot of times where we're like in the wormhole and we'll be talking. And in the back of my head, I've got like a skit going or, you know, basically mm-hmm. almost the same thing, but in like a cartoon fashion or something. Yeah. And they'll stop and they'll be like, all right, what in the fuck are you laughing at? Now I have to stop and be like, all right, this is what's going on in my head. <laughs> I think I think it's a muscle. I think the art of that coming to you, like the the spark in your mind that makes you think that, writing it down, because if you don't write it down, you're going to forget it, especially if it's a spark in your head that happens a bunch of times. I just find now it's it's worth bitcoins or gold or fucking uh uh co co uh, no uh, what's the other omani reals or whatever <laughs> it's where it's very valuable uh information and it, it's pretty unique to you and I, I just think it would be really cool i fell in love with that show and i want to get back into doing that i want to like i said have a whole lot more chats and have way more ideas i think of it like i said as a muscle the the more that you do that and then have the chance to you want this is something that you know some people totally think is the last thing they'd ever want to do but if you want to you know try that and be on stage and get in front of people and try and see if what you think is funny everyone else thinks is funny uh that opportunity on that show kill tony especially now now that uh things are slowly opening back up and they're going to get back on the road and do shows again and they're finally having live audiences again after 10 months of only having like Zoom call, stand-up uh, entrances and very small, like limited 10, you know, groups of other people coming to do it. Uh, it's getting back in the swing of things. And uh, if it takes me uh, so long to where it comes anywhere near me and like either Illinois, you know, Wisconsin or anywhere near me, uh, I'm going to eventually go down to Texas where they're doing it now in Austin and give it a try. That's awesome. I hope you do. I hope you do. I love, that's another thing about me is I love people that uh, aren't afraid to go chasing their dreams. They want to try something. You should go out there and chase it. You know, there's Mm -hmm. living with a life of regrets. 
you know, older later in life, going, ah, oh, man, I wish I would have tried it at least once. Well, you should have tried it at least once. There's no harm in stumbling and falling and laughing at yourself in worst case. Uh, but another thing I wanted to say while I got the mic here is you did resonate uh, pretty well there with the Kill Tony show there. Obviously, there's a bunch of fans that watch the show in chat, too, because as soon as you said it, it was like, bang, 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 bang. That's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I, I actually it. wrote it down. I'm going to go back because I love some good comedy myself. I wrote it down after you said it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back and check it out. Thank you for the yeah. suggestion. So that's that's where I that's where I look. I think I'm real positive about uh, as soon as it gets warm out, I'm going to build a raised bed. Something I'm going to grow in it. Uh, I grow really good peppers, but I kind of want to put a trellis up there. And I've never grown eggplant before and I was watching uh, another comedian I, I, I follow Tom Green and he was uh, eating a barbecued eggplant and he, on his channel he does live streams of him cooking and the whole time is like I don't care if it looks like I don't know what I'm doing I do know what I'm doing he's like this is good if you were here right now and I put this in your mouth you'd say wow that's really good you know it's, so he, he kind of made his experience eating his barbecued eggplant made me want to grow eggplant because I haven't grown that yet. <clears throat> is he still is he still rolling around in the van doing his videos from uh like a mobile type yeah of he show? just I think went back on the road the videos that I saw were him back at his house um just dicking around pretty much what he was everything everyone else said that hey Tom you're losing it but I, I just thought it's something like we talked about, about creative sparks. I just see him just in a creative spiral where he's off in his own little world, you know, whatever comes to his mind, either when he's playing on the keyboard or what, how, how he's talking to the chat, you know, that it's totally entertaining to me. I had to go back on the charger a little bit. Let me see. No I worries. Uh, I just think it's funny, though. You said, you know, people were saying that uh, has he lost his mind? I, you know, Tom Green's a comedy genius, but that's one of those things. It's like, yeah. did was he? Did he ever really? <laughs> was right. he ever really abnormal? <laughs> I mean, it seemed like people that like they don't know that that's that's literally him expressing himself. You know. That, that's that's yeah sometimes what geniuses do they they drink and play this the same six notes on a piano uh for two hours straight and i remember the old 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 time green episodes when he was on mtv running around actually like drinking <laughs> cow milk right out of like yep, cow yep, water yep. i remember that one he did some crazy shit man he did a lot of crazy shit man he was hilarious he still is he still is i did catch that one when he was on rogan not too long ago and he's he's a funny dude still to this yeah. day he's very funny. yeah i i subscribed uh on his channel uh the last time um, he was on Rogan's because sort of the same thing. Rogan, I, I, don't, I forget whose weed it was. It was like Mike Tyson's weed or something like that. But 
he was already drinking and then Tom Green took like a, a fat hit of something. The total opposite of how Elon Musk hit it and didn't inhale. Tom inhaled and he was he kind of like backed off of it. He's like, oh, I, I took a big hit of weed that's probably stronger than I'm used to. And then he gave him back the joint. And then I know from that point on the podcast that his brain was fucking rattling. So I'm like, oh, I got to, th- this is good. This is, that's what reminded me of why I love Tom Green too. It's just that that mood that he was in after that joint and then i subscribed i'm like yeah you know that's not weird another passion of mine is uh the the disability with the vision i can't drive but for whatever reason i'm addicted to like uh van life and uh box truck conversions into rvs and that kind of shit i don't i don't know why but all those kind of channels i watch too so I was like, oh, wait, fucking Tom Green's living in a van, too? All right, I'm going to watch that. It's some of the conversion shows. I don't, I wonder about I wonder about them. Some of them are really cool, but there is, like, a lot of shows now that are just, like, wanting to... I think they're just encouraging to live in a small space. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I call it... I don't know if anyone else calls this that but i call it professional homelessness you know you're that's how to be homeless but a professional there's no that's that is the dream though isn't it i mean kind of a way to be able to you know go see shit and you know live a free life yeah yeah i love it i mean road road trips pretty much everywhere uh so you're out in Michigan and uh, I, I went to Michigan a lot um, from uh, some of those, those good old high school days and previous because my dad's godson uh, played for Western Michigan football. So I, we always used to go out there and uh, to Kalamazoo and to Ann Arbor, ate at the Bob's Big Boy in Ann Arbor. That was, that was usually a pit stop there. and. Uh, went to Ford Field for a few games. So yeah, just a lot of other stuff. My, I have another uh, aunt and uncle that had a cabin up in uh, Green Bay. So road trips there. Unfortunately, when my mom was uh, incarcerated, she was down in Decatur, Illinois. So road trips there. Uh, going back and forth to Colorado, that's a 16 hour trip if you're only stopping for gas. And I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I don't have the ability to drive it, so maybe I wouldn't like it as much. But yeah, it, to to me, I would like the ability because to me, I do think that's cool to have. A, now, me, I might get the the near closest thing I might get to that is uh, being able to just pass a road and eye test, and then somehow having enough money for a Tesla. Somewhere in between there might be my only way to live out that fantasy, but I want to get a Tesla Model Y and have a whole bunch of shit in there, like, you know, like little camp stoves and like set professional homeless shit, like the uh, really nice tents, insulated tents and gadgetry and tools and knives and all that kind of shit. You know, that, that's a bucket list type thing, you know. Oh, that's achievable. That's that's fucking achievable right there. I mean, we're not too far from like a conversion kit 
four-year van that's like a self-driving kit. You know what I mean? Where you'd just mm-hmm. be chilling in the back. You won't even yeah. have to drive. You'd be fucking <laughs> doing this right here and be yeah. on your way yeah. to your got, next stop. Got the email shit. plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be pretty badass right there, man. I think I do want to take uh, another dab. I got what? residuals left in here. The way I do uh, these dabs of the distillate, there's always like uh, the initial dab and then there's leftovers but the way you treat it is the uptech or the cold start so you get a little you know leftovers there. there's nothing wrong with that no, no, no. that's well that's one of my beefs i guess I, i'm you know i've done concentrates mainly hash forevers you know, I remember doing earwax. First time I really started doing earwax was like 2008, 2009. Before that, oil, just cannabis oil, you know, oil on a paper. But, you know, dabs were here and there, you know, when a friend had them occasionally. And then as of late, you know, the dab song doing the show. They become more and more, and then uh, Sun Grown 707 initially got me a rig in the house there. Get a gift, a re-gift from Kazoo. Kazoo did a giveaway. Sun Grown won it. Sun Grown was nice enough to give it to me. Thus started the dab habit. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been dabbing on a regular, and nice. it's, it went from there, and uh I got email, hammered emails, was nice enough to send an email. And I, I think if it wasn't for the email, I would have maybe have gotten a little discouraged with the dabs, to be honest with you, because I could never really find that sweet spot for myself. You know, it was always too hot, too cold. My banger was always dirty as shit from me not finding that sweet spot. And uh, and so I was really starting to fall out of it. But once I got the email, I really liked finding that steady temperature. It's not- <clears throat> that reminded me of yesterday's episode <clears throat> when Buddha was talking about uh, how it makes you look when people aren't used to dabbing and they see you with the torch. I'd much rather perceive, you know, uh, prefer seeing you with some kind of electronic piece. And uh, he's like, I don't give a fuck what it looks like. And I, I wrote, I totally agree in the chat. And then it kind of led into the same thing about de- devices that, you know, kind of help you and assist you doing that and still maybe puffing on a, you know, a vape pen or something, but you still want to go home so you can dab traditionally. And I was like, yeah, after 11 years of dabbing, you know, how, not how exactly to do it. You know, you, it, you just, you get to knowing exactly the nuances of every different concentrate, bubble hash, rosin, distillate, uh, diamonds, diamonds with terpenes, sauce, you know, you kind of just, as much as you learn about the plant and how to grow, eventually you'll learn the techniques and the way to satisfy yourself with the best dabs. So. So this is what, well, this has happened the other night and I, you know, and that's one of the reasons I was a little laggish too on the dabs. I, I very much like the the buzz of it, but I didn't really care for the torchy part of it, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. 
And this is where the that comedy guy in the back of my head. The other night I was, we were talking about this, and uh, for some reason, I pr- pictured uh, Tyrone from the show, Chappelle Show. You know who I'm talking about, the crackhead mm-hmm. Tyrone from the Chappelle yep. Show. I pictured him like watching us do the dabs <laughs> and like you know his point of view and like him saying going man we come up with that shit we were ahead <laughs> of our time <laughs> and I, I can't help but wonder if there's some of the older gentlemen who messed around with that long ago that see these dabs actually say that mm-hmm. <laughs> they stole that tech from us that was on the yeah. streets years yeah. ago totally. <laughs> I'm What's sure they do I'm sure they do yeah, what's old is new. But uh, it, either way, it's a good way to partake your medicine. It's sad that there is that connection, you know, to be honest with you. But I do prefer the email because of that reason right there. I do still keep the torch to clean out the banger occasionally. But... Uh, you know, I don't my I don't miss not having to use the torch every time. Yeah, and and then if I did put myself in one of those boats, like I said, I can't explain it to someone that doesn't feel the same way because it's their medicine. How it looks is just how it looks, you know. I I still have family people like that. You know, I go on a family uh, re- reunion, and some of the family smoke, some of them don't. And the first thing that comes to their mind is the same thing. They're like, oh, they're used. That's the, that's the same way that you use other drugs. You need a blowtorch to use them. You know? Right. And you know, it's funny because I, I don't actually think that's the way they use it. I don't know, but I could be wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, it it's sad because it is a good way to ingest the medicine. And it's... You know, you don't know if you don't know. It's, you know, but people are so simple-minded, you know, with the stigmas to, still to this day. It's sad. I do have a bowl of flowers sitting right next to me as well, too. So, Oh, that's your preference, my friend. That's totally up to you. <laughs> Whatever makes you feel good, bro. Whatever makes you feel good. Shout out to people in chat, man. Chat's been pretty good tonight, man. There's been up to 95 people watching tonight. It's been a great episode so far. Far, for sure, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, man. Cheers, everybody. In also, fact, I was looks- getting ready. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm oh, right in the middle of torching. Sorry. Uh, it also looks bad too when you're on um, a crusty old nail like mine too, and uh, 
I don't you know, it's about time to invest in a new um, quartz bucket. I actually uh, have this rig right here. This is one of my old classics. That's got a uh, broken uh, the 10 mil though. This is a 14 that one in front of me is a 10. I'd prefer using that one. This apple fritter. This apple fritter, man. Oof. It's uh, very few stuff I've dabbed out that uh, hits me really, really hard. But if I take an extra large dab, or not even an extra large, if I double up even on this apple fritter, man, that shit squints my eye. I've even said it. I can feel my third eye squint when I <laughs> this dab, this apple fritter, man. It's, it's good. Pretty good. How are we running on time? Uh, well, it's, well, we're past the two-hour mark. It's, you know, 20 to our 12 to 2, my time. But uh, <coughs> as we discussed, it's uh, whatever you wanted to, you know. It's up to you, my friend. How are you on time? <laughs> All right. Um, I had fun. I mean, I'm sure I can dig up more stuff, but I'm going to be around, you know, I'm going to be showing my face and be hanging around more. So just leave anything else, you know, to come to me some other time. I, I pretty much said what I felt like. Uh, well, uh, right off the bat here, uh, American one says, please ask Red Pill if he's growing lips like sugar or is it surrounded? Okay, yeah. Surrounded by Keith uh, is growing that. I, I talk to him a lot. Uh, we have a weird Google Hangout thing where like some people still using Google Hangouts can make calls to some people. But uh, I still talk to him on pretty much almost every day basis not so much lately since uh the, those hangouts haven't been working but yeah he's got a plant growing and i'm glad you brought that up because I have a little bit of uh analysis uh for you to help out uh know how that strain handles conditions he's uh in an extremely hot area and he also had some plants growing uh so it was a f6 mango sapphire and uh, the F6 mango sapphire took a pretty hard hit when he had a 100 degree temperature spike. But the uh, lips like sugar, or if it's now called uh, Amy's Aces, had, isn't, there's nothing wrong with it. If, if not, you know, it loves it. So if you didn't know that already or didn't ever see that in those kind of conditions, uh, Keith, or at least his phenotype that he has of it from seed is heat tolerant. Amy Ace is a good one. I grew it out. I was, uh, I really liked it. It was very, uh, I put it in my social category. It was uh, something I like to smoke around friends. It was a good conversation. Smoke brought out the smiles. Amy brought the smiles. 
that's good. Uh, it, <clears throat> am I, uh, is that a uh, partial CBD? Is that like a two to one? I don't think so. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Cheesequake wasn't, uh, had known for it. CBD. No, yeah. No. I think his parent, the other parent is either, but you know, okay. it actually reminded me somewhat of uh, Pennywise. I, I told him that flavor reminded me of Pennywise a little bit. Very good Pennywise is a, is a partial CBD though, is it? Right? Yes, it is, as a matter of fact. That you bring so, that. okay, yeah. Yeah, it's almost weird how in different gene pools, kind of similar traits almost look like they could be different phenotypes of the same plant. But there is, that is, TG, but they're based in TGA genetics, though, with the cheese quake and uh, the genetics of uh, Pennywise is what? Um, Harlequin and JTR. It's not I don't have it in front of me. I, you know, that's one thing. I can remember songs from my childhood, but crosses, oh, I always fog on crosses. That's why I keep the books. <laughs> That's why I keep the books, to be honest with you. I'm always jealous <laughs> of the, you guys that can ramble them off off the top of your head like that. Um, yeah, I, it's up to you. I mean, like I said, it's uh, the, this spotlights or whatever you'd like to put into it. So if you're kind of you've reached the end of what you'd like to discuss, we can wrap this up and uh, start up a wormhole. It's up to you. And uh, with that being said, you know, I hope you do. I mean, if this is the end, this is the end. But I, I hope you do uh, start popping on the wormholes. I mean, this. I was. I mean, if you're open for questions, I got some stuff. But you know, it'd be. I can't wait for you to just pop in. Yeah, uh, the Zoom numbers are you. always the same. And Zoom numbers always same the same for the wormhole. So anytime okay. that uh, you want to pop in, you're more than welcome. More than welcome. How, do, how does that work on when we you cut off this one? Do I linger on for that one, or does you give it some time to start up that one? Uh, we end this completely, and then I just start up again. With the wormhole. Okay, so whenever I want in the wormhole, it can just show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the wormhole is kind of like Club Med, basically, for past guests. You know, they can come and go whenever they want. No, no, mm -hmm. stay as short or long as you want. It's, you know, Club, Club Med for this, basically, <laughs> I guess. All right. I like it. So, yeah. I had a great time. I appreciate awesome. you having me on here. I hope everyone else enjoyed it. I'm, I, I partially the reason why I was really happy about finding the channel is because I did find uh, familiar faces, you know, like American One, Bengus, Reddit, Hit, Hot Fire. Those are all, those are all same people that we did this every single day for I don't know, four, four or five years running, pretty much. So. Now I'm on Zoom. I can Thank hang you out. For that. Yeah. Thank you for that, man. I appreciate you for laying down the early episodes and teaching people how to grow. I hope you do get back to it. That's for sure. And, you know, as uh, far as that goes, 
you know, I heard you do have a YouTube channel, but if you're ever looking to extend your content onto other platforms, you're more than welcome to do some lives over here and, uh, you know, your own show, your own format, go live during a different part of the day. Uh, I'm always open to, you know, content other than my own going out live here. So if that's something Sweet. that you're interested in, keep that in mind, my friend. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, other than that, the last thing I'd like to get from you uh, is that's the soundbite. Sound I don't know. Yes, sir. Let me uh, get this thing recorded here. Episode and name of the show and guest, right? Episode, guest, name of the show. Yep. And any, well, anything else you want to put on there, you can give shout outs. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> this is your episode, your okay. shout out. Anytime you're ready. All right. Thank you. Episode 320 of fucking talking shit with Eagle. I'm Red Pill. Thanks and enjoy more. Thank you, my friend. It has been an excellent episode. Everybody that has tuned in tonight has said nothing but great things about the pleasure of meeting you and hearing your story. It has been an excellent story. And thank you very much for sharing. And like I said, hinted to uh, prior going live, uh, thank you for helping build this community another night of hanging out that's the most important thing here is you know yeah we look for every night to hang out and it's hard to do it's hard to do without guests and you were nice enough on a very short notice to come hang out and i thank you for that my friend it was the community vibes that made me want to do it so that makes me happy makes us happy and I'll be looking forward to hanging out with you, hopefully here in a few minutes in the wormhole. But if not, at your leisure, like I said, this Zoom number is the Zoom number that will work for the wormhole. Please keep that, you know, and hopefully mm-hmm. I'll see you in a minute. If not, I'll <clears throat> yep, see you sure. hopefully very soon. Yep. Yes, you will. All right. For those of you guys that are watching and hanging out, uh, give me about 10 minutes and I will fire up the wormhole for sure tonight. Uh, thank you very much for hanging out. If those you that do not want to join in for the fun after party, I can understand that. But uh, I greatly appreciate those of you who have hung out, the 90-some people that have checked out the show tonight and hung out and listened. Thank you so much. You guys know the deal. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness. Do save lives. Thank you so so much for tuning in this episode. Thank you. Red Pill, you want to say anything? Any shout-outs before we go? Uh, I I wish I could see uh, um, chat to shout people out, but I want to thank everyone who is watching, and I want to, uh, you know, hang out more, and I'll chat with you, you know, more and more. All right. Thank you, guys. Much love. We are out of here. Thank you. Good night.